This is One Weird Trick, our podcast offering advice on anything and everything. I'm Cecily, and I hope to be a trusted guide in your journey, wherever that goes. And I'm Aaron. A quick disclaimer, we have no legal, medical, or psychological qualifications to give any kind of advice. Uh, Please consider any advice you receive from us as being that from a well-meaning but human and imperfect friend. We'd like for you to consult actual professionals for any serious legal, medical, or mental help you may need. Uh, Having said that, Cecily, uh, we do have some soft qualifications that uh, and some experience we're bringing to the table. Let's talk about yours. Well, I was raised by divorced parents. I have brothers and sisters, both younger and older. Um, I've never been married, but I have had my share of relationships and experience to draw from. Um, I graduated high school, skipped college, and entered right into the workforce, um, mostly working in customer service for all of my life. So I've seen the wide spectrum of human experience, I think. Aaron and I were together for many years before we got married, and we've been married almost three years to the day now. Frankly, part of what makes me qualified to help you is that I have a tragic backstory that I have overcome, and I feel like that experience and the things I've been through would be wasted if I couldn't share or help someone else from it. Aaron, what makes you so qualified to do this? Well, if people have heard my intro episode for my political podcast, Three Right Turns. You probably already know a great deal about me, uh, but a brief rundown. I was raised as a very conservative Christian. Now I'm a secular atheist. I've got a brother and sister and a pretty big extended family, and I know my way around difficult family members and difficult family issues. I've worked many different jobs from construction, agricultural, retail, But the bulk of my career has been in the IT arena. I've worked at both the hardware and software side of that divide, from support desk work to project lead to director of IT. I've started several businesses. Some have failed, some of which have succeeded. I've been poor. I've been moderately well off. I'm a father uh, to currently a teenage boy. I've been married twice, divorced once. I've been through many years of therapy. I've attended support groups. And I've always been really fascinated by the human development, uh, the psychology of, of life and relationships and sexuality. And I spend a fair bit of time reading and thinking about these issues. And I know that we've both, as you, as you alluded to, have had our fair share of relationships, both good and bad. Um, how do we feel about our relationship and how right. it works? I mean, when you say both relationships, it doesn't just mean the romantic, familial, friendship relationships uh-huh. we've seen. The good, the bad, the ugly. Um, As far as our relationship goes, I think that we've made it work for many years, and that does take uh, maintaining. I think that because of our experience with our previous relationships, that we knew we wanted to make our relationship work for the long haul. So we were together for a few years before deciding to get married, and I, I think we figured that if we have the rest of our life to be together, why rush into marriage? So we weren't rushing to that finish line, but um, <laughs> we did end up getting married for a few practical reasons, um, f- you know, financial stability and health insurance, things like that, that made us get married more quickly. Yeah, I think that like I had after my, you know, I got married very young. I was, I think, 19 going on 20. And I had coming out of that a pretty 
jaundiced view of the institution of marriage, especially once I became kind of like a more secular atheist and the the romance of like pledging your life uh, to each other before God kind of wore off. Um, and I just figured that I would never, ever, ever get married again. Um, but, you know, the story of how like that kind of slowly changed and how I become comfortable enough to like, oh, yeah, there are some smart reasons to to get married and I felt comfortable enough and, and safe enough with you that I could do that. I think is kind of an interesting uh, story unto itself. Right. And part of what makes our relationship work is that we try to be open and honest. And sometimes that's painful as long as we're not ever trying to hurt each other. Um, I, this is gross, but I think of you as my best friend as well. <laughs> yeah, it is disgusting. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I feel the same way. I, I, I think that like, um, we also try really hard to fight fair. Like we don't just, you know, there's a point in every argument where you can just go into free fall and start bringing out the big guns and start litigating every one of your fights before and start calling names and impugning intelligence and assuming bad motive. And like, we just don't let ourselves go there. Right. Um, and that's not to say that like, it's because we just haven't had any like real challenges or anything to deal with in our life. Like, you know, we've, just in the the because because we got together it's interesting the story of us is kind of entwined in the story of like bald move because like we got together uh right around the time that jim and i decided to make a full-time go at this um so you know there's been money struggles there's been you know sh you know moving to a whole new area there's been integrating a step family into a situation uh, there's been navigating like cultural and different religious mores and like, you know, different crazy families. Um, there's been just tons and tons of things. We've had health issues, uh, deaths in our family. Um, there's been, you know, like I, I, we joked about it when we moved to Ohio and we start like that, that we were going to do all the stressful things that people are always talking about. Like, you know, what are the most stressful things you can do in life? Moving. Uh, death in the family, changing new job and career, uh, <laughs> you, you, like like getting we, married and integrating children from a divorce. Like like we right, just decided, we were so certain that we decided to be able to put it to the test all at the same time. Yeah, fuck it, fuck it, <laughs> baptism by fire. Um, and yet I still think that our relationship gets better and stronger, and we're still always laughing and having a great time. Um, and it's not, it's not easy, but it's 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 hard work that's worth it. Right. Especially when, you know, I, your emotions are so mixed up with another person so entwined mm -hmm. that you want to be supportive, but also you're all you're feeling the same way as the other person is. So mm -hmm. when you're having a really stressed out day, I get stressed out and it just takes. Yeah, it just takes a lot of just being very self-aware of what's going on or trying to in order to not, you know, have this uh, endless feedback loop. Yeah. Where you're just getting mad at each other and stressed at each other when one of you needs to realize that you're just soaking up that stress or whatever it is. And you should tr try to, or I guess you should be the sponge and like soak it up or let it go through you. Rather. I think it also is like we do a pretty good job of taking turns. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sometimes like we're, we're both having a bad spot, but like one of us is a little bit worse and the other one without having to do a lot of prompting kind of like pitches in and, and, and helps out like, you know, cause we have our spheres of responsibility in the mm -hmm. household. Um, but you know, when someone's sick or when someone's going through a lot of, uh, mental or emotional stress, uh, I think we kind of reach across the, 
the divide and 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 help each other out and you know are supportive take turns being supportive because there's been times where i've needed support in my career there's times where you needed support in your career and i think we've we've done a pretty good job of uh helping each other out, uh, out on that yeah and now we're working together in addition to all the you know entanglements in our life it's and, pretty extreme like we're it's actually getting better yeah i don't know i'm just maybe maybe this is going to be some sort of you know audio journey of our relationship imploding from yeah, all no, of this. I, I or it could go wonder. really well <laughs> yeah it's like I, I i do wonder it's like it's so that kind of um leads me to the next point about how like we conceived of Swizzbold working because when we, we we started t- we started talking about doing this this other podcast network um, and and like splitting some of the stuff from Bald Move because Bald Move has always been like you know pop culture and and entertainment and you know there's like a limit to how much like real life shit you can talk about um, and how much like political things and like relationship things you can talk about just in the course of like how Mr. Robot was last week or what's going on with his dark materials. Um, so we started talking about like Swizzbold in January of this year, 2019. 2019, yeah. And, you know, then we decided that like, you know, Swizzbold was going to be like the, the container that holds all the different ideas we had. And, and we, we've arrived as one weird trick. Um, but we kind of conce- conceived it of like one of the things I find really fun about like lunch with Jim and Aaron and when people would like, you know, ask for our opinion on how you could do this or how you should do that or, you know, and I think it's a lot of fun. And I always like talking to my friends about relationships and about their careers and, um, you know, getting advice and giving advice. And I think that would be a lot of fun to do in a podcast format. Like also, we've always been like advice show junkies. Like I remember in the 90s and early aughts, like being really um, what was that one that had Dr. Drew? Oh, Love Love Line. She used to fucking love listening love, to Love, love line. line, especially it was, you know, when I was a teenager and it was like late at night and I could listen to it on the radio that my mom and dad knowing. And it was like that was like my only outlet for like the weird shit that was happening, you know, like outside of mainstream Christianity. Look at the fucking shit people are dealing with right. and all kinds of craziness. Um and I think that's kind of valuable to hear those different uh, outlooks and different ways you can live your life and, you know, hearing people like, you know, knowing that you're not alone on things, you know. Right. Exactly. And the thing, the reason we decided to do a separate network is because at Bald Move, we do, without sounding too corporate, we do represent a brand. You can't have an open, open and honest discussion on the Fast and Furious podcast because it really sparked an idea about how toxic masculinity can be or things like that. Things you can't bring into the pop culture uh, podcast and things like that. We wanted to keep this separate and really just be raw with you. Yeah, and there might be some things where like stuff in the popular culture inspires a topic or three mm-hmm. on on Swizzbold or on One Weird Trick, but... Um, you know, and, and and we might even do like we've got a lot of crazy ideas for like deep dives and in, into, uh, you know, what can an American in Paris <laughs> tell us about modern dating strategies and politics? And we, we might do some deep dives like that. But um, I, one of the things we when we were, uh, you know, out because like a lot of this was planned with us like taking these winter hikes and going out into the back country of Ohio and Kentucky and like spending all day out there and, you know, with our vape pens and talking about like, oh, we could talk about this and making notes and on our cell phones. And one of the things is like, you know, how 
how honest should we be? Like, mm-hmm. you know, how much of our own personal experience, how should we like kind of cloak and because we want to maintain some, you know, like I know Jim accuses me of being like this emotional daredevil, <laughs> like bearing my soul to the world. But like, I do keep some things private. I oh, think absolutely. it's, it's, it's vital to people's insanity to have some kind of internal life, but yeah, like vital to your insanity, vital to your sanity, <laughs> I should say and your insanity. If that's your preferred you yeah. know, state of mind, I'm not going to judge people's but, mental states, but yeah, I think there's some un- unresolved issues about like you know how how much of our personal life are we going to share on this show um you know one of the things we talked about is like oh maybe we should you know we're bragging about how well we fight maybe we should actually save a fight to have it on air and kind of like show and like i i'd say we're we're still not sure exactly how we want to do that and we're going to figure it out as we was as we go along Mm -hmm. Uh, one weird trick for preserving your marriage as you live it live on a podcast you know (laughs) divorcees hate this yeah keep keep, let's let's like you know let's uh kind of feel their way into just just uh, mix it up see how it goes yeah um so before we begin i want to talk about kind of our format um right now like the other show i'm doing three right turns is going to be in every other week so um so Swizzbold will be releasing an episode every week. Three right turns, one week, one weird trick the other week, yeah. on and off like that. And I forgot to say this on three right turns, but that's also like scheduled subject to change because we're doing this kind of in the margins of Bald Move um, and that uh, we might shift days of the release. We might maybe go on hiatus for several weeks if the schedule gets really intense and like the Bald Move stuff cr- uh, crowds things out. Um, we might like this kind of might be seasonal where... Uh, also like the the format itself like you know maybe we get so much uh, request for advice that we abandon the topical thing or maybe we can uh, have the topical thing be guided by like a letter of the week that's like a special spotlight thing like there's a lot of things we kind of need to kick around and, and figure out about the, the format but it is going to be um, every other week also um, uh, Jim is our engineer and he's in the engineering booth and uh, we've made it clear to him that he's welcome to chime in uh, if he would like to, if he has uh, some some expertise that he would like to lend, uh, you know, if there's like any uh, robot maintenance type questions, <laughs> uh, we can we can cut to the engineering booth and, and get uh, a Jim's take on it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, the other thing. So we're we're going to come each uh, every other week with a like one topic that we've prepared, or maybe it'll be two separate topics. You've got one, I've got one, or maybe we collaborate on a single topic that's of interest to us right now. Um, but then the other part of the episode is going to be the advice column itself, mm-hmm. where we offer one weird tricks for success uh, for, yeah. in life. And you can write into us by emailing us at OWT at SwizzBold.com. Uh, one thing we're going to do differently than we do on Bald Move is like when people send in advice or uh, feedback, we always say it's like Frank T from Allegheny, Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, obviously, on a show where you're asking like advice on sensitive subjects, we're going to assume uh, anonymity. Like if you put in your email, I want to be known as Zaphod Beeblethrox from Alpha Centauri, we will read that. Um, if you don't, if you, if you don't say that you want to be read as something, we will probably make up a name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, you know, it's like a sleepless in Seattle type of deal right. or frustrated in, uh, Kentucky or, or so, something that like hides your, but if you want, like, you know, if you're, uh, been on the bald move forums or you're on the Swizzbold subreddit and you want to use your real name the you know, so, so people can get to know you a little better, please let us know how you want your advice to be credited 
uh, because if you don't let us know, we're going to blow like, your spot up. No, we're going to do the opposite <laughs> of that. We're going to protect your identity and come up with a, a, a pseudonym. Oh, right. Um, so if you send it into OWT at swizzbold.com, uh, we may read it on air. It depends on how many we get each week. Um, I don't know if we'll, we'll get a, like a crushy email at first and it'll slow down or if it'll be slow and we pick up. Uh, can't obviously guarantee that we can read it. Uh, we'll give our honest opinions and may do a little research. And then the other thing is we will we have a a, a, a pretty nice global audience that we've built up over a few, uh, many years. Of, I've always been impressed by the wide ranges of ages, uh, and ethnicities, nationalities, professional experiences, all over the place that we've we've accumulated in our years of kind of being being online uh, gabbers. Uh, and we might call on the audience from time to time to to give us some help when we're stumped or if people think that we got uh, something wrong. We, mm-hmm. we got to take wrong. Uh, whatever. OWT at SwizzBold.com. Uh, that's, that's how this stuff is going to work. <laughs> Do you want to get in this week's advice? We have advice this Cause, week. Because we had like even, even before our first episode, we kind of had a soliciting for advice in, in our... Um, our promo episode and mm-hmm. we got two we got two brave volunteers <laughs> uh first up it's d old friend d from the forums she's been with bald move for a long long time she mm-hmm. says hey swizzers d here so part of my job is to assist others who have less experience which means i have a lot of people coming to my desk through the day to ask questions my problem is a coworker two desks down who is one of those people, one of those people, <laughs> who always needs everyone to know how smart she is. She's constantly butting in on conversations. Aside from the general annoyance of her unsolicited advice, she usually hears half the conversation, then interrupts with the lecturing instruction about something she thinks we're actually talking about. So the person I am trying to talk to gets confused with this overload of tangential... Whoa. <laughs> Tangent. I recommend avoiding tangential topics uh, <laughs> at the workplace at all all cost. Tangential information that isn't really related to the question they have asked me. I've tried saying things like, thanks, but I've got it to no avail. I also went to her team leader and asked him to tell her to put her head in or pull her head in rather. But he's a lazy tool who hates confrontation. So he's done nothing about it. I want to make a prediction mm-hmm. that a lot of workplace issues are going to come down to shitty management. Yep. Because holy fuck, holy fuck, there's, there's, there's so many of these problems come down to that type of behavior. D continues, I'm not the only person who she annoys. She's kind of known in the office as a know-it-all, but others are a bit afraid of her, so they don't have anything to say. The problem is lately I've been losing my temper with her a bit because she's doing my head in. I've snapped a couple of times at her just to tell her to mind her own business. She didn't get his hurt puppy dog face and slinks off. And I feel like shit for being mean. And although she stay, then stays quiet for a day or so, she can't help herself from butting in again once the sting has worn off. So given that I get no assistance from her team leader, do you have any suggestions for how I can firmly but kindly tell her that her input is not required and not welcome? It is not part of her job and she has no legitimate reason to be sticking her oar into these conversations. Cheers, D. I love all the like vaguely Australian, yeah, like sticking oars in, in, pulling heads in. Like, there's a lot of sticking things in and pulling things out (laughs) in Australia, and I I admire that. Big fan (laughs) of sticking things in and pulling things out. Uh, Cecily, what what's the first thing that jumps out here? What 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 do you got? Um, sounds like this woman is a boomer. (laughs) 
Is that okay to say? I can say that. I don't know. It's uh, it might be it, it might be classified as a hate crime. <laughs> yeah. Well, if the boomers get their way. <laughs> I heard it's up there with the N-word now, mm. according to boomers. Mm. No, but seriously, I think that what you should do is first try to level with her and you know, maybe let her know how she's kind of undermining your authority in the situation. I'm not sure if this is exactly your job or if it's just something that you do because you're best at it. So if it's something, a task that was assigned to you to help out these other people, she's undermining your authority, helping them out a little bit. And maybe she can understand you from that perspective. Hmm. You, you mentioned the the term like leveling, and it reminded me of um, this book I read a long time ago that is kind of informative and kind of um, my philosophies of nonviolent communication. Uh, it's a book called The Gentle Art of Verbal Self-Defense by Suzette Eg- Elgin. And she like um, one of the goals of like, you know, verbal offense and defense in, in her book is the, the the idea that you get down to where you can invite a person to level with you, because that's where it's like when you're leveling with someone it's not there's no emotional content. It's this is this is like factual, like what is happening and how uh, you got to keep it factual so you can talk about what's happening or your perception of it and how it's making you feel. You can't assume other people's motivations. You can't assume uh, other people's intent. You just have to like that's an invitation for the level. The, the level, um, and a lot of the book is around like how to get a conversation, especially when you're dealing with like um, uh, a person higher than you in some kind of hierarchy or rank or social situation, or a person that's lower than you. And um, so, like, yeah, you could just try like, hey. I don't know if you know this, but it's my job to answer these questions. And, you know, when you you jump in like this, it kind of undermines my authority and it makes me feel frustrated because sometimes you don't have all the facts. You don't have all the answers. And I know you're trying to be helpful. Um, actually, that's actually that, that's that's being a little extra. Yeah. You need to make sure, especially you talk about how you feel and not mm-hmm. what she's doing. Yeah. Well, no, you can talk about the like. I mean, your... you can't say you do this or you've done that. You always interrupt. Well, that's because so. That's a real key. It's like it's like one of the things is like you want to avoid saying something like like words like you always or you never because like no one always does it ever anything. No one never does anything, right? So like that's bad communication because you're giving a person an out to not talk about the actual issue because you're going to get stuck into like, well, no, what about that one time that I da da da? And now it's like you're arguing about that shit rather than the core issue. Um, but I, yeah, I think you can say like, when you do this, it makes me feel this way and it impacts my job that way. And, you know, this has been a problem for some time and I can tell you might also offer like, it seems like it's upsetting to you. Um, when I try to assert my authority, Mm -hmm. um, but it sounds like you've kind of already tried that D and I think. So the other thing is you got to try to figure out like what type of person, what type of employee this is. And I I, kind of feel like I'm getting a certain vibe from the email. But I feel like in my experience that there's been when stuff like this has happened to me in the workplace, there's been like two types of employee. There's like the insecure employee. And I often found that they're like kind of too busy with their job or maybe they're not very good at their job. Uh, maybe they're getting kind of like blown up on their spot about like, you know, that they're behind or that they're not performing to expectations. And their uh, way to deflect on that is to try to be healthy helpers to everybody else. Like, you know, uh, Jeremy is a really shitty DBA 
and he doesn't have he's, he can't get keep the shit backed up and we're we're always worried about that stuff but you know he's always helping people with their desktop support and he's but you know like we have a whole department that does that so what the fuck do we have our dba doing that for that's like an insecure employee type and like honestly if i'm going to play like machiavellian mm-hmm. uh maybe could can you get away with like offloading that onto her <laughs> Like right. if she's, if she's wa- so eager to do it, then because, make a, it part of her job. Because a lot of times then that will like if you give them enough rope to hang themselves, the whatever is their core problem or whatever their core duties will start suffering enough that somebody has to step in and do something. In the meantime, uh, you get to like kick back and, and, and take it easy a little bit right. um, or you can reverse it on her where it's like, you know what? Um you seem like you're really good at this and you're really interested in it. So like, I'd like to turn this over to you and then you can, uh, being two desks over jump in with the, well, actually, uh, (laughs) when she's, you know, or he, I wasn't sure which it's a woman. It's a woman, uh, when they're, they're fucking it up and, and kind of like turn the tables. Like that's maybe a little passive aggressive, but I think it's one thing you can do with this type of employee because, Direct confrontations often trigger this wounded, you know, puppy response. Right, like but this person just clearly doesn't know how to pick up on context clues right. or so body language. Just, just uh, you know, if, especially if you talk to your boss about it and her boss about it, and there's still no resolution. Like, it's unlikely you'll get much blowback from just like, you know, I don't like like, like retreat, like letting her have it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a second type of employee that is like the empire builder. Mm-hmm. And what they like to do is get their fingers in everybody else's pies as a way to grab more power and to consolidate into themselves. Like, and then once they do that and, you know, got you've kind of backed up on your heels, they'll start talking shit about you behind your back about like, I always have to you know, do like, D's I don't know job. What, I don't know what D's doing, but like, I'm, I'm doing my job and like I'm half the time doing her job. Maybe she should just turn the department over to, to me so that I can, you know, get a handle on what's going on. Right, it's slimy, and those things kind of work on non-confrontational leadership, which yeah, seems like you have. Because like it's a, someone that's like, this doesn't sound like it's that type of person, but a lot of times uh, the public perception of their target is this kind of like, you know, oh, I'm just doing this on acts. And so it's like, it's it kind of requires a little discernment about like which of these types of employees you're dealing with. Because this one, you got to get mocky. You got to, you, you know, especially without like, uh, support from your leadership, you gotta gotta get Machiavellian uh, because they'll run you out of your own damn department. So like uh, standard advice on this stuff is like document the shit out of everything. When you have a converse, when you have a conversation with her about backing her the fuck off of your your uh, department or your responsibility, follow that up with like, hey Carol, we just had a conversation about you interrupting my attempts at helping these employees, which is my job, and I just want to sh- know that just, like, once again, uh, you know, send a summary that we came to X Y conclusion, and that you know, you just have to document. You go tell her, confront her, and then document that confrontal like immediately with an email, because mm-hmm. um, then you've got something where you can print out or forward to your boss and be like, look, I've had six conversations with this person in the last six weeks. This is ridiculous. It's undermining my authority. People are complaining about it. What's 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 going on? Right. Um, or, you know, it's also 
you know, if they try to, if they're like the, the empire building type and they're trying to like cut you off at your knees, then like you've got a whole paper trail showing that, nah, this isn't, this isn't, I've actually been on top of this this whole time. Right. And that's great advice for anything really. Just yeah. Always document everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're having, like, if, if you're, if you're having these conversations anyway, um, those are not documentation. Um, and I would say like every single time you have a difficult conversation with an employee, uh, whether it's a underling, a super superior, or like a, a peer mm-hmm. that you have to document it because that can kind of come off as being a giant mm-hmm. asshole. Um, but the second time you have a conversation... Right. I mean, it doesn't always mean like sending an email or a text to follow up on a conversation. You can just jot down your own notes mm-hmm. and that works as documentation. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just think that like um, that's fine, especially if you're going on like I'm going to ruin this person mode. Like you just start <laughs> documenting things like unilaterally mm-hmm. and building up that journal because like you're just you're at this point you're you're an investigator building a case. But like document like documenting a conversation that you had is just like a clear like hey because that's the other thing is like I also when whenever I do this I like to have the invitation of like hey feel free to correct me if I've gotten any of these points wrong. Because that's the other thing. It's like, you know, you have a conversation and maybe you got one thing out of it and she got something else out of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you say, here's where this is the things we talked about. If you disagree or if I got anything wrong, uh, feel free to respond and, and, and we'll get it worked out. That seems like it's it's a lot less threatening and it's also a lot more, you know, open and in, invitational about like, you know, collaborating to, to work on this together. Mm-hmm. You could always just kill her. Yeah. She could have an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had this something like when I was young, like I was like 24, 25, I had this situation where I was... You murdered someone? No, I didn't murder someone. Well, actually I did. It was uh, murdered by by words um, <laughs> where I had this person who had this busy body and she was like, I was a the senior developer and they were like, you know, tier one support. Um uh, and they were like, you know, their whole thing is like, they're like the client's advocate and like, oh, I'm just like, I'm just speaking for the clients and like all this. And, but it was this, yeah, she was always like from across the room, uh, like correct, trying to correct me or something on like the code that I've written from. And like, uh, I finally, I said, I talked to my boss and he was kind of like a very laissez-faire type of dude. And I talked to some of my peers and finally when, uh, she we got into a big confrontation in the middle of this open air environment and she like what was funny is like i just i just put a firm nose like hey stop doing this and she like came back with me of like you're one of the most annoying and arrogant persons i've ever met and i just kind of laughed and be like i'm sorry i guess i'm really confident about knowing my code or whatever it was and uh i don't know but then that's the thing is like then the boss got involved and he sat us down and like, you know, you got to work together. And but that brought things to a head. That's 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 a really interesting dynamic there. Mm-hmm. You've got a woman in coding, which I imagine back when you were still working fairly rare wait, when you were 24. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah a long time that's ago. pretty rare. So I'm sure they weren't eager to discipline her. When it came to yeah, I just think I just like I don't know because I think that like it was mostly just that boss's management style. Like he yeah. uh, hired people that like were easy to manage, and we had kind of easygoing, com- kind of like camaraderie. And this woman, I don't know, she was just very much the exception of that rule. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's because like the 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 support department was ran by like a person who was a, more of a passive aggressive. So when they staffed up, like that person t- tended to hire people like that for some reason. 
and mm-hmm. I don't know, support it was, it was like a lot of friction there. Yeah. There's a lot, it tended to be a lot of friction between like customer service and, and development, you know? Yes. There's a little bit of antagonism there. Yes, there is. So I don't know, because that's the other thing is like, I'm not sure the professional landscape. Are you guys in similar departments or like, you know, what what what's the dynamic there? Is there like a natural antagonism going on? Is like, you know... Uh, like sales and marketing and development of are often button heads or like accounting and sales and marketing are often button heads. Like you have these like corporate rivalries going on too. Is there any of that playing in? I don't know. It seems a lot more like the type that uh, just probably isn't very good at their job or is just bored with their own job. Mm-hmm. So they're just looking for other things to get involved in. She sounds more like that type. Yeah, and that's the thing is like you can go down a whole bunch of trees. Like maybe they have an ADD, or maybe they have like if it's maybe like, she it's just like needs a pet, or maybe she's lonely. Right, but it's like it's, it, at the end yeah. of the day, it's not your job to psychoanalyze this person. Right. It's like you know you got to do your job. They have to do their job, and boy, it'd be nice if you could get uh, management involved to do their fucking job. Mm-hmm. What else? Do you have anything else to say about D? That's it. I okay, think we fixed D's problem. <laughs> Our next piece of feedback is from shum and he's got a question specifically for you aaron Mm -mm. Uh, shum says i am a 32 year old mormon who has been a true believer since junior high but i now find myself at a crossroads as my politics have shifted further left it has become harder and harder to reconcile my worldview with the teachings of the church at the same time i have had several spiritual experiences in my life that felt very real to me at the time which I still have difficulty dismissing as just general good feelings brought on by belonging to a favored group of people with a benevolent God looking over them. You have mentioned that you were also a true believer in the JW faith once upon a time, and I'm curious if you also, for lack of better terminology, felt the spirit or had spiritual experiences during that time. If so, to what degree did you, or did that influence your decision to leave the JWs more difficult um, and how did you ultimately decide to choose logic over spirituality? That is a great question. Um, what, so I, I think people know a lot about my spirituality. Uh, I talked about it at length in last week's podcast over three right turns. And if you've mm-hmm. been a bald new fan, you know that as, as Shum alludes to here, um, I grew up in the Jehovah's witness faith and it's, you know, like, uh, pretty standard, very conservative, fundamental, evangelical Christianity, but it's also like got, got weird beliefs that set it aside from that. Like a lot of the really conservative, you know, uh, theocratic organized, uh, evangelical religions do. Um, but it is tough because I had a very similar, very similar deal. Um, although mine wasn't so much as like my politics shifting and then feeling like I was like abandoned by the church is more of like, um, I had just like factual, like I, there's a couple of things that, because I was really into like science and history, I kept bumping into like, you know, the pretty certainty that evolution is like spot on, you know, it might have its problems, it might have its gaps here and there, but like, it's a hell of a lot more um, edifying than taking a rib out of some dude and making a woman out of it, you know? Did you ever feel any kind of spiritual experiences? Like, did you ever feel the voice of God? That's the thing. That's one of the things where like, when I talk to Christians, because I've had from time to time, people don't want to like, they're fascinated by background and they're like, Oh, well you just haven't tried, you know, you had some off brand, you know, great value brand of Christianity. You need to step up to Kellogg's or you need to get, you know, you, you, you had uh, uh, Commodore crunch and you need to step up the captain crunch version of Christianity. 
And I tried to get with these folks because like, because uh, I'll you know if you want to talk facts and like I I don't I I at this stage I'm kind of bored of debating religion. And it's not even that I'm bored. It's just like I've spent so much time worrying about God and religion like the first thirty years of my life that like. Now I just like I don't I guess I don't mind it if it's like a sincere person. It's a fun conversation. But like I am a little weary of it because like I've been down this road many, many times um, on both sides of the table. I've been the person knocking on the doors. I've been the person who's had my door knocked on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to get to a point with any believer where I'm like, you know, core at your core. Why do you believe this? Um, Because normally it's not because of any kind of scientific or like fact based thing. It's always been like I had one lady tell me that uh, she was about to go through a light and then she felt something inside her and she slammed on her brakes. It was Carrie Underwood. She wrote a whole song about it. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus took the wheel (laughs) and she slammed on the brakes and then like a 18 wheeler came barreling through the intersection and and she she can't explain how. and And I always like when I get to like when it's something like that or. They were uh, with their mother when she died and they felt a common presence come over them. When it's something like that, it's based on something happening between their ears that I have no insight into. I don't want to argue with those people. Right. Um, like, hey, that's that's a real experience that you had. It's not something I can independently verify. So I understand why that uh, works for you. But to finally answer your question after five minutes of monologuing, no, <laughs> I never felt like I like... And I remember thinking as like a teenager uh, when I got baptized and I kept on waiting for like it, it just it just the other day I was reading that um, that journalist interviewed Fred Rogers that the, the whole uh, beautiful day in the neighborhoods based on he talks at the end how like Fred Rogers sat him down and prayed with him and he said my heart felt like a spike and then it opened like an umbrella and he felt like this love kind of flood into him and I'm like I just never felt felt that way i definitely felt like camaraderie i definitely felt like was moved sometimes because like you know whenever we'd have like the big uh you know summer like witness revivals where you'd have like ten thousand people like you know like this 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 big convocation and they would talk about like experiences like the brothers and sisters had in like nazi germany and concentration i feel moved like oh wow this is you know an impressive tale of human courage and preservation but never felt like what I would describe as like what what like this mystical thing that people have felt like, you know, like Jesus entering their hearts, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know. And now I will say that like a year or two after I left the church, I was on a motorcycle trip with my dad uh, through Deals Gap and on the border of North Carolina and Tennessee. And I'd gotten ahead of my dad because we were riding the tail of the dragon. It's really, you know, um, it's very early in the morning on a motorcycle, on a motorcycle. And I was about a minute or two ahead of my dad um, because he's slower than me because he's an old man. And there's this part at the end of it where there's this overlook where there's this dam and you can see this like reservoir and we're in the Smoky Mountains and it was barely in the morning. So it's like this, the mountains were the smokiest and like the sun came from and I, I pulled over and I took my helmet off and I just looked at this and like the like the clouds kind of parted and you could see the shafts of light like go across the valley mm-hmm. and like the, you could see the, and I had this kind of overwhelming like sense of gratitude for my life or that I'm I'm here to witness this thing that no one else like look around there's no one else around and it's like this kind of like and i think that like 5 years before that might have been my religious experience mm-hmm. but like this happened after i had fully renounced god and and his ways and i felt like well this is just like you know can this not be explained by 
endorphins or like you know whatever pleasure center like like when when you're like when you feel your child's hand curl around your finger for the first time like that stirring and like is this just like human emotion uh you know and it's like the sense of gratitude or the sense of like thankfulness for my life is this mm-hmm. like a real thing um but i didn't associate with god because i'd already been out yeah Je- well, jehovah's witnesses and mormons the latter-day saints are pretty extreme religions also they can so i i don't I don't know a lot. I've got a very good friend that's a Mormon and I know that like like being a Mormon in Utah is different from being like a Mormon in Indianapolis and then there's like, you know, and Jehovah's Witnesses is a little bit this too. Like a California Jehovah's Witness is not the same as a in Indiana Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. Like they tend to be a little bit more liberal, a little bit more, you know. Yeah. You might have you might see a girl, a Jehovah's Witness girl on the coast with like three ear piercings oh. they, they might have like a pink stripe in their hair you know like maybe <laughs> right. maybe one of them will have like a wrist tattoo Ooh. if they're if they're really really walking on the wild side <laughs> so I'm, i don't know because i i've heard that like a lot of the really conservative mormons do mm-hmm. practice a, a form of like communi- excommunication like the witnesses do to have a bit of teeth into it like you might lose access to your religious community which could include your some of your good friends some of your family i don't think that that's like a universal thing um but to the extent it is i i have a problem with it because i think that's uh um i mean that's a that's according to the un that's a human rights violation to 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 deprive someone of their their fan like you know like, like an organized deprivation of someone's family and friends because of religious or political disagreement yeah um well, what i was getting at is that if you know, Shum feels the spirit and feels this in some kind of way. Is mm-hmm. there, would you recommend joining one of like those mega churches for, to continue to have that sense of community yeah, and I mean, still certainly. tap into your spirituality? But I'm, I think there's, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know Shum's personal situation, but there might mm-hmm. be stakes of that. And I think that here's the other thing I'd recommend because with the Jehovah's Witnesses, there was this book called Crisis of Conscience that mm-hmm. was written by this guy named Raymond Franz, who was one of the witnesses like um, their uh, like pope is seven old men that live in upstate New York and they're called the governing body. Um, and when one of them dies, they're replaced by another old dude who's been with the Jehovah's Witnesses for 70 years. Um, but this guy actually defected in the 80s. And he wrote a story about his life and what it was like to be on that governing body and how like random the decisions were like thousands of brothers died brutally in Rwanda because they were not allowed to get a political identification card that says that they, you know, it's just something where you, it's like essentially like a poll, like a tax, like you pay $5, you get a card that says you're in the only legal party, like political party in the country. And, but that was violated the idea of witness neutrality. So a lot of these brothers, like if you read some of the yearbooks from then, like they were getting their, their fucking testicles hooked up to car batteries. They're getting beaten by rubber hoses. They're having their kids executed in front of them. And just as human misery. And then 10 years later, almost the exact same thing happened in Mexico, where the brothers and and the brothers official guidance was, oh, yeah, it's not so bad if you buy a political car. Almost the same situation. And this really bothered brother friends. And it was like a three, four split vote. You know, that like these brothers died, these brothers and sisters didn't. And it was a just arbitrary, you know, like one of the guys who was like in, in the deliberations because he's like 90 years old and fell fall asleep 
and would have to be repeatedly woken up by his handlers. And it, like, it really was a wake up call about like, wow, I might die because I won't take a blood transfusion because, and that was the other thing that came out that like in the late seventies, the, the witnesses came very close to overturning their view on whether accepting blood transfusions as a medical treatment to, to save your life was was uh, something that you could be permitted. Still to this day, you're not. Like many, many witnesses die because they refuse to take blood because of accidents or, you know, whatever, and their children too. Yeah. Um, Latter-day Saints changed their mind about black people in the 80s. Yeah, no, that's, that's I, I do know that there, there's something about that. And I think that there is a equivalent in the Mormon uh, organization, from what I can tell, it's called the CES letter that this guy wrote a, like a really longly researched letter that he sent to the highest of the the hierarchy of the Mormon church and never got a response back. And it's something you can fr- read free online. Because I, I, that's the thing is like, I think that whatever creed you have should stand up to the closest of scrutiny. And there's like, you, you might get on some things where it's like, well, do I believe this or do, and, and you might get down to where like, well, there's a difference of opinion or like, you know, maybe you look at it this way, you may look at it that way. But like, then there's some things in life where you examine your creed and there's just like not a leg to stand on. And I, if I were you, cause that's what I did is I, I, when I was really on teetering on like, man, am I really going to spend my whole life in this organization? Um, I went and got and read crisis of conscious. I read it in like a day. Uh, um, actually, no, I actually, cause I was so afraid. I read it later in, in a day, but I would visit the, the, the Mooresville library and read it uh, like an hour at a time because I was afraid to check it out. I was afraid to bring it home. I was afraid for someone to keep to catch me have it. Um, I would recommend looking into that and, and seeing if, you know, if like these doubts you have, I bet he's got a lot more and you should have answers to those doubts uh, or you should decide that those doubts are not that important. And whatever you do, it's kind of like, you know, whatever choice like now, I feel like you're kind of like torn between these two things and you feel like you can't make a choice. But like, you know, make the choice with as much information, as much accurate information as you can. And also that shouldn't be like, you know, I think anytime you're like trying to delve at the truth, like the CES letter shouldn't be like the end game. You should then like research the rebuttals to the CES letter and see if there are any. Cause like maybe there's a tennis match and you know, some of this, this guy got some things wrong and you got to give it like a full 360 degree evaluation review. But like, I think on something this important, what you're talking about, your spirituality, perhaps your eternal life, your relationship with your friends and family, the the life that you've lived for almost all of your adult life, you kind of owe it to yourself to 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 sweat the research there. Right. Uh, so those are two uh, questions or introductory questions or introductory se- seekings for advice. Uh, some some heavy topics. Uh, if you would like to get some some advice from well-meaning friends, you can send it in to OWT, that's the abbreviation for one weird trick at swizzbold.com. We we should we 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 missed opportunity to to work in the one weird trick. We should have made that a meme. Like here's one weird trick to destroy your employee. Here's one weird trick to destroy your faith in God. Uh, but you can <laughs> Latter-day it, Saints hate this. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it at uh, OWT at swizzbold.com. And you can also uh, follow along with uh, discussions about Swizzbold topics on our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash Swizzbold. Mm-hmm. All those are in the show notes. We'll be back in two weeks for uh, another one, several weird tricks, apparently, 
Uh, hopefully we'll uh, have a little bit more advice to give. We'll have a few points that we want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Hope you've enjoyed the show. And uh, until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. See ya.